Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Prepping Academy. I am Forrest. Today we have a very special guest. You probably, a lot of you preppers have heard me talk about this service. It's called Alerts USA. Um, it's one that I, I, we count our life on this thing. I mean, we look for this. This is an early warning system. I've, we've had, I've mentioned in many podcasts before. It's on our website. You can go. Um, but today we have the founder of Alerts USA. Doc, doc, is it dot com? I believe it is. Um, yes, it is. Alertsusa.com. Yeah, and so we have Stephen, and I, I apologize, but I'm going to try my best. Um, his name is Stephen Oxtenconus. No, Oxtenconus. Oxtenconus. Is that right? Almost. Correct. Almost. Okay. This he is the founder of um, Alert USA, and we'll get into what Alert USA is if you've never heard of it, because you need this service. It can be a lifesaver. So uh, welcome to the show, Stephen, and I appreciate all the time you spent with me on the phone. Um, I appreciate you know, your service. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Just, I mean, don't go into great detail. We don't need to know, you know, your great-grandmother's uh, – <laughs> But just tell us about yourself today. So uh, <clears throat> I've studied physics and computer science. Um, I've served on the faculty of two different universities in the U.S. And shortly after the events of 9-11, about three months following 9-11, um, a few friends and I, we stood up Alerts USA. Uh, the reason that we started the service is that uh, when the first plane hit the first tower on that morning, Everybody in the second tower, nobody knew what was going on, and everybody was told to go back to their desks. There's just a fire in the adjacent building. Wow. Nobody knew what was going on, and there were a lot of lives lost as a result of that directive as opposed to telling people to get out. And the idea struck myself and some friends. We were sitting around having a drink, and they said there was like, you know, there's an opportunity here to stand up a service that monitors what's going on. If you remember back then, there were daily threats, all kinds of things happening and so on, and the only um, source of this information was the mainstream media, and a lot of the information that they were putting out was hyped or inaccurate. And so uh, with uh, the previous work that I had done over many years with the different elements of the armed services as well as different elements inside of the U.S. intelligence community. Um, we had some great contacts to be able to find out details about what was going on rather quickly, and we set up the service. And now it's, what, 18 years running now? Wow. Uh, service, we serve each of the branches of the armed forces. Um, uh, Capitol Hill Police, a number of different um, federal, state, county and municipal law enforcement agencies across the U.S. Um, a lot of the Fortune 500 companies are users of the service, and here we are. So you started this service because of, um, I mean, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know that, to be honest with you, that you started this service because of 9-11. I mean, there were people in the other building that had no clue. I did not know that they were being told to go back into their office. I guess that would be the... Uh, yeah, wow, and that's and you started this service, and so you guys gather intel, and then in a through a text message, you and email, you send alerts out where you think that it's important to the United States, a geographical area, or who who do you determine is your audience? I mean, who's so your the, audience? The baseline. Um the baseline goal of the service is that we monitor events globally. Um, and our particular emphasis is to pay attention to threats to the U.S. as well as its citizens and interests abroad. 
And so whether or not it's, um, <clears throat> matter of fact, as an example, uh, in the last three months, um, we sent, and we, obviously since you're on the service, um, you can attest to these. We sent out alerts on, uh, for instance, uh, uh, U.S. intelligence chiefs in just the last, I think it was the last week, were warning about um, an increasing domestic terror threat from, uh, uh, as opposed to complex uh, attacks orchestrated from overseas, command and control from overseas groups and so on. The large threat right now that is uh, re-emerging is from uh, uh, homegrown violent extremists. Um, Al-Qaeda, we've warned that Al-Qaeda has uh, made numerous threats and calls for attacks in the last three months. Um, there was an attempted hijacking of an aircraft, in Ru a commercial aircraft in Russia. Uh, we reported on the, uh, there was a sophisticated Al-Qaeda affiliate attack at an upscale hotel in Kenya uh, where a U.S. citizen was killed. Um, travel alerts and warnings to multiple destinations, including Mexico and China. A new worldwide caution was issued by the State Department in the last few weeks. Um, the Islamic states put out multiple propaganda posters threatening, pro-threatening attacks and calling for attacks in the West. Um, all of the domestic uh, mass casualty shootings, there's been a number of, um, of, of mass casualty shootings that have taken place overseas, including, for instance, uh, the Christmas market attack in Strasbourg. Uh, there was the foiled Islamist plot to attack the White House as well as the Statue of Liberty. Uh, aviation terror plots across multiple countries in Europe, deployment of U.S. troops to the border, uh, earthquakes and tsunami warnings, and so, and that's just in the last three months, uh, and that's just a portion of what we've reported on. And right. The but the ultimately the goal we don't uh, our emphasis is to keep U.S. citizens and interests informed of what's happening, and so. Uh, um, Anything that uh, <clears throat> poses um, a serious threat, whether it's domestic or abroad or some developing situation, uh, just uh, at the time that we're doing this recording, just about 15 minutes before we got started here, we sent out an alert that there's a um, reports of two active shooters on the campus of Central Washington University. And so, and the goal is, is that we flash this information out and we have so many first responders that use it that almost instantly uh, we have everybody that has an, an immediate increased level of situational awareness. And so all of the people with NYPD that get this or people on the West Coast and so on, um, <clears throat> they have uh, uh, the ability, you know, their, their attention is peaked on a particular topic uh, or if somebody whether it's a private individual or a corporation that's sending people abroad, um, we keep them informed on, you know, uh, rising threats or breaking events that are taking place so that um, uh, they have, um, their people are, are better taken care of. So, so your audience is not only professionals, maybe in an area to, for them to go and, a more heightened alert or to know what's going on because you, you said many times as we were talking that a lot of times they'll get the text message before the communication comes through the emergency network that they're, uh, that they're a part of. And so they're kind of aware of what's going to be coming down. And so it helps first responders, um, you know, and maybe even government officials or military officials in an area but also it helps the, you know, common people like myself where I'm in, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's a riot downtown or something, you guys would alert that and all of a sudden I could, you know, you know, make a decision, hey, okay, family, we're not going to go downtown tonight because there's some issues going on down there. So I can, on a personal level, I can use that information. And from a professional level, professionals, meaning military first responders, they use this information as well, correct? Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> I want to be clear that, you know, we're, I'm not in any way claiming that, you know, this is the, uh, we're not clairvoyant. This is not the, the, the end-all perfect service and so on. Um, we've heard our service described as we're another tool in somebody's information pencil cup, so to speak. And um, 
uh, invariably, nearly everything that we put out, we're scooping the mainstream media. So uh, people are finding out before it's on the mainstream media in terms of like um, the, uh, the different armed services, internal networks, the uh, DHS and so on. Our information doesn't go through an editing process where people need, well, do we send this out and so on. With the mainstream media, there's no concern about, uh, well, will this impact the advertisers? Um, and so we're able to get things out quickly. We're able to verify information far quicker than most of these other groups and um, push it out to our subscribers. Now, all of this information initially goes out via SMS messages to subscriber mobile devices. That's the, the big heads up. Since we're limited to 160 characters in an SMS message, that's immediately followed up or shortly thereafter with an email, which gives us an unlimited ability to expand upon the alerts. And so as you've experienced yourself um, in this past week, um, there were a number of new threat posters that were um, getting wide circulation on social media from the Islamic State. And we were able to, we initially sent a text message out to the subscribers saying there's this new series of threat posters that are coming out which make a direct threat on Washington, D.C. Um, <clears throat> in the email that we sent out with the supplemental information, it had all of the Arabic text translated so that people had a distinct, you know, a very clear understanding of what was on the poster and so on and what was being communicated. And between the, the heads-up message with the SMS alerts and then the follow-up emails that, when it's possible, um, providing supplemental information that expands understanding, uh, we get a pretty good coverage of, um, or we have a pretty good ability to uh, bolster somebody's understanding of a developing situation. So I am, um, I'm currently looking on your website, and you list some of your customers, which is just Amazing. Department of Defense, Department of Justice, Department of State, Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Air Force, Army, Navy, Coast Guard, um, Bank of America, New York, Bank of New York, Farmers Insurance. I mean, you ha I mean, L.A. Sheriff's Department. I mean, you people, the information is is time. Timing is critical when. When emergency situations are happening and you're getting that information to them in a timely manner, and they know, people understand when they sign up for your service that, hey, you may do some adjustments on the, on the text messages. You learn this because um, it seems like your goal is to get the best information out there as soon as possible, where the news agencies almost – have to verify it before they'll even go public with it. And even when they, and, if they and bother doing that at all, <laughs> you're true, but they always delay. You're always behind. I'll tell you what, if you want to look smart and around your friends, now I, this is the true story. Now, if you want to look smart, you sign up for this service and you go, Oh my gosh, guys, um, this and this just happened in, you know, in France and they'll turn their TV on or start looking on the websites and they go, no, what are you talking about? I don't have anything. I haven't got anything. And about an hour later, or an hour and a half, I go, oh, look, Fox News just sent me a message saying there was a you know, 9.4 earthquake and you know, wherever. And I'm like, guys, I told you that an hour and a half ago. <laughs> because, and they're like, well, how do you get your information? And it always you know, it ends up talking about Alerts USA. <laughs> you know, you were mentioning some of the... Uh the organizations that we have listed on the website. Uh, in addition to them, we have thousands, many thousands and upon thousands of just regular citizens that don't trust the mainstream media uh, with their safety and security. And um, if, for instance, there's a, um, a shooting incident at a grade school, um, People want to know immediately what's going on, you know, and if it happens to be in your hometown or a friend's hometown or your daughter or your son's school or something like that, um, you know, these minutes 
and sometimes, you know, half hour to an hour or however long it takes for the mainstream media to start reporting on something. Um, uh, or if there's, uh, I'll take a random example. Let's say that um, <clears throat> the uh, ramming attack on the promenade in Nice, France, that took place a few years ago. Um, you know, during the, uh, the Bastille Day celebrations or an earthquake happening in the hometown that your mom lives in, in California and so on. This stuff is, you know, it's got to get out there and we have the ability to push this out there to our subscribers a lot faster than the mainstream media does. But the, it's not just corporations that are using this and government agencies. It's regular average American citizens that just want information faster and that's who we cater to. I think it's a, a good 50-50 split um, in terms of uh, the numbers of people that um, subscribe or frequent travelers, for instance, knowing that somebody just got knifed at the train station in Amsterdam, um, you know, or a bomb going off in Brussels or something like that, which, you know, every day there's tens of thousands of American citizens that travel to these locations. And keeping people apprised of these developments, um, especially in the current, given the current climate of uh, an increasing tempo of terrorism threats, uh, the increasing partisan divisions that we are having here in the country, you know, summertime starts to roll around, guaranteed you're going to have all kinds of different riots that are taking place or people protesting some monument that happens to hurt their feelings and all that um, Knowing this stuff is, these events are planned, being able to adjust your schedules accordingly if you're in the particular municipality where it's happening. Um, and if I can add one other thing on this is that if there's nothing happening, we don't push content just for the sake of pushing content out. If there's nothing happening, you don't hear from us. And that we don't want our subscribers to experience alert fatigue where they pick up their phone and maybe see something about Justin Bieber or something like that. You know, it's just right. So, uh huh. So, um, what kind of events would you say that you would report on? What are? I mean, you don't. If Aunt Sally gets robbed on the street corner, you really don't report on that. But what kind of events um, does Alert USA consider significant enough to alert um, their users? Developments, incidents, and threats of national significance. Um, and so uh, I'll use as an example um, the, um, the shooting in Las Vegas uh, that took place, um, I believe, two years ago it was, um, up with that concert. Uh, that's something, obviously, of national significance, whereas... Um, a drive-by shooting in gangland Chicago, we're not going to touch it because you'd never put down your phone. Those things happen right. as, you know, quite frequently. Um, an attack on a, a U.S. embassy abroad, like uh, her, in the middle of last year, there was a bomb that went off outside of the U.S. embassy in Beijing. Or um, uh, two years ago, there were a series of bombings that, two, uh, two or three years ago, there was a series of bombings in Brussels. Um, in the diplomatic quarter, you know, these are things of national significance here. Uh, pandemics that are breaking out, um, uh, you know, some things that are going on with the airlines, you know, if there's, for instance, uh, you know, this is actually a really good example. Is, um, there was some incident that took place in Fort Lauderdale in the past week that caused a ground stop in Fort Lauderdale, which in turn cascaded up the eastern seaboard because planes weren't able to continue moving through the circuit. Um, things like this because it impacts um, uh, frequent travelers and so on. So uh, again, those things that are of national significance or a school getting shot up or something like this, uh, these are the things that people really want to know about. But the small little stuff you know, there's just no way that um, we could keep up with that. Right. Uh, and realistically, most people don't want to know about stuff like that on a personal right. level. Um, you know, somebody getting now, held up on a corner or something like that. 
didn't you guys um oh you might need to report something i hear some sirens um didn't you guys report on the um japanese um nuclear power plant having issues long before other people hear heard anything about it yeah so when the earthquake took place obviously our subscribers knew within just a couple minutes that it took place and then the resulting uh tsunami warning that was issued uh <clears throat> we have excellent contacts in the state department and we learned from these contacts in the state department that i mean the, hours before that ever hit the mainstream media that um power was out at uh the fukushima plant and uh there was an effort underway with the State Department and um, the Department of Energy and so on to quickly dispatch um, U.S. personnel out there and all that. But um, <clears throat> I think it was more than 24 hours in advance uh, our subscribers knew that there was um, a critical failure in at least two of the reactors uh, uh, at least 24 hours before the rest of the world knew about it. And this is because we have these great contacts that initially started through the State Department that fed us the information and we in turn got it out to our subscribers. You know, this is maybe a, a really great time to expand on where we get our information from. Yeah, um, yeah. I lost my clairvoyant abilities as a child, and so uh, <laughs> we have to uh, <clears throat> go to the next level. So we have uh, four broad categories of where our information comes from. So we interact very closely with uh, the FBI's InfraGuard program, which puts us into the slipstream of information regarding threats to critical infrastructure and all the different areas of critical infrastructure, whether or not it's the food supply, the you know what's happening with the, the power supply and the national power grid or um, the chemical industry and so on. So we're... We have packaged information products that we receive from groups like InfraGuard, the different fusion centers, and so on. So that's one category. And then we also pay for information, packaged information products from uh, other private sector ser uh, services. Then we also we have the ability to monitor 34 different social media platforms in 17 different languages uh, for breaking events in that I'm more um, liable to hear about um, uh, what's a good example to use. Um, I'm more apt to hear about um, an explosion taking place somewhere in the UK, which happened earlier today. You know, there was a, a large gas explosion that um, leveled a couple buildings. Well, we learned about that one from a single tweet that came out uh, or somebody popping something up on Facebook. Here, I just heard a big boom. And we don't report what we see on the social media, but that, that piques our attention to start looking closer, to start making phone calls, finding out what's going on and all that. Uh, and so... There's, we have packaged information products that we get from a number of places. And then um, for real-time breaking events, we monitor um, all of the most important social media platforms because of their prevalence and the willingness of people. You know, if a car goes plowing through people, you know, on a bridge outside of Westminster and so on, invariably we're going to find out through social media that that took place before anybody anywhere. Right. And that gives us the ability to <clears throat> to keep up on breaking events as well as emerging threats. And then we put this information out to our subscribers, both through the alerts, the follow-up emails, as well as the weekly newsletter threat journal, where we're able to look back in hindsight once more details about different situations have um, become clear and be able to report that to the subscriber. So would you say, is your, um, is your service people intensive or is your infrastructure just um, in your, I mean, you got to have a, a sweet infrastructure to be able to blast out 
thousands of texts within seconds. Um, so you have people so monitoring it. Yeah, the monitoring side of it is labor intensive because there's always a human in the loop. There's always somebody at Alerts USA 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, watching what's going on in the world. Um, the actual mechanics behind uh, the service, we have a number of downstream service providers that allow us from our servers to send the basic text message, which in turn is routed out to each of the major carriers and the subcarriers. Um, and so uh, there's, there's a big uh, um, computer-intensive background, background system that's you know, handling the distribution of all of the messaging and all of that, getting all of that out, getting the emails out. Um, heavy on the human factor up front and that none, none of this is automated. You know, when an alert goes out, there's a carbon-based life form in the loop somewhere that's uh, okay. pushing the send button and evaluating okay. what's going on. Um, and so nothing goes out in an automated fashion whatsoever. And so if the power... Resiliency, um, let's yeah, say if the power goes the, down, what happens? Yeah. So the North American power grid is broken into eight regions. And um, <clears throat> it's intentionally uh, broken up like that in case something happens in one that they have the best ability to be able to prevent a cascading problem. So we have uh, uh, redundancy built into our system where we have our uh, servers co-located in two different geographic areas of the country so that if something happens in one, whether or not it's a server failure on our side, or something happens, um, however, we hope it never happens like that. But if, uh, for instance, the power grid went down in one of these eight regions, immediately everything automatically defaults to the backup servers. And actually, we use both of them for load balancing and so on. So if um, our servers are having difficulty getting messages out, it all floods over to the second one anyhow. But it's, it's intentionally put together like that just so that um, we have that, um, that backup there. So if there ever is, for instance, a, um, a CME event, and uh, let's say something in Region 3 fries out, which takes out you know, a portion of that section of the country, and if it were to impact our stuff, then we're able to automatically flip to this second system, which is located in a completely different region, uh, so that uh, we're at least able to keep our customers uh, aware if their mobile devices are still functioning or if they're still able to receive emails. So let me tell you, um, April 21st, 2017, you might not remember this, um, I got this alert, several Federal agencies investigating multiple concurrent power outages. New York, San Francisco, concern of foul play. USA Alerts monitoring. Be ready. At this time, I got this alert in April 21st, 2017. I was at a conference called Heritage Life Skills, and I read that, and I go, huh. So I, you know, I had a bunch of friends there. I copied it. And I just sent this one to them and said, guys, be on alert. Something's going down. And I kid you not, it was not until the next day that people started seeing it on the mainstream media. Well, yesterday, Wall Street had to shut down because of some power outages. They were isolated. I mean, people were um, in California was talking about the power outages there. People in um, New York were talking about it there, but only a few news agencies that night kind of put it together going, wait a second, all this happened in the same day. It was just interesting that I had this information and everyone was going, where are you getting this information? We can't find it anywhere. And again, you want one of them apps that makes you look smart? This is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> So you've never used that as a selling point, have you? <laughs> Not in those particular words, no. 
<laughs> but yeah, and they, everybody's like, where are you getting it? But anyway, I, I remember that day because, you know, being a uh, a prepper, when I hear that, I, I, you know, a few things go off in my mind and I'm going, wait a second. Um, is this something real that I need to, to, uh, to prepare for? So I'm going to do a, a, a little a pause here because I, I, I just want to tell people why they need this service. Um, people that listen to my show, there are preparedness-minded and preppers. And so anything that can give us a head start or get prepared or go to the grocery store or um, you know, activate a evacuation plan or whatever, we're prepared. Anything that can give us a head start, some news or something over the, the masses – is worth you can't put a price on that if all of a sudden the volcano blows and you think about it and we get the alert an hour before anyone else does or 30 minutes just imagine what 30 minutes alert could do if you needed to evacuate if you needed to go get some supplies if you needed to get your family together it, it, it could be a difference between life and death. Now, I'm not, and so in my survival group, which I've shared with you guys a lot on the, on the, on the show, you know, we've been together for 18 years. We all have this app. And when something happens, something major, we immediately start talking, going, okay, we need to monitor, the, monitor this. Or, you know, if it's just, you know, uh, whatever it was today, an active shooter, it, it, you know, I'm glad I know we we don't have any um, students in our group at that university, but it tells us what's going on and it gives us a I you know the only way I can think of it is a competitive advantage. I need to get to my bug out location. I need to go buy supplies, more supply, whatever I do. This gives me a head start, and so um, with that. If you, um, there is, I mean, you can go to Alerts USA and sign up for it there, but he is given um, the Prepping Academy and PrepperNet. We have a special deal. And if you go to PrepperNet.com slash alerts with an S, USA, um, there's a special offer just for us, for you guys. And then that helps support the show as well. So it's a PrepperNet.com slash Alerts USA, and you can find it, or you can go to the basic membership and scroll down, and it says, um, um, or, no, it's to the store, and it says Alerts USA. You can click on that, and you click on that link. It helps support our show, and it gets you the competitive advantage that you may need to go get a U-Haul, to go get supplies. But So anyway, that's my little commercial there. So um, my next question for you, and... I mean, you've got to know that we, you know, people like us use that for a competitive advantage, correct? Absolutely, yes. It's, okay. So, um, if power grid goes down, um, okay, what in the current state, because you get, you, you report on the Muslims and all the threats against the United States, um, you know, Donald Trump became the president, um, People kind of relaxed because um, Donald did kick some butt and take some names overseas. What is the current condition do you think America is right now when it comes to real threats against us on our homeland versus what it, it was, you know, three years ago? Is it better, worse? We should be at more alert or less alert? <clears throat> it's changing. Um, so, uh, since Trump has come into office and even actually, you know, giving credit where it's due, um, before Obama left as well, uh, command and control of complex foreign terror attacks, meaning Al Qaeda type of things, you know, that are orchestrated, you know, from abroad and so on. This has been greatly diminished due to the professionalism and hard work of the armed forces, police, our uh, counterterrorism partners throughout Europe and in Southeast Asia and so on. But uh, 
And I would encourage your listeners to, if they go to the Senate Armed Services Committee website and look at the testimony that was given by the intelligence chiefs last week on threats to the homeland. Well, I think it was, uh, the title was Worldwide Threats. Uh, and the summaries that they were providing, uh, this was the unclassified um, testimony in open session. So all the really juicy stuff, you know, was spoken about behind closed doors, but they were very clear that while um, Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State and their affiliates have been smashed, um, this is kind of akin to uh, putting a tomato on a table and whacking it with your hand. It goes everywhere. And this is exactly the situation that we're now facing um, with the the foreign terror threat in that everybody, those that have survived, have scattered. A lot of the um, uh, the foreign fighters either have or are returning to their home countries. And these are people that, um, these are battle-hardened individuals with um, pretty significant skill sets that are now heading back into first world nations. And <clears throat> the driving factors behind um, their desire to wage war against the West are still there. Said differently, the conditions that brought about the rise of Al-Qaeda in the Islamic State uh, in the different affiliated groups is still there and it's still increasing. Um, the move of President Trump in shifting the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem uh, really has a lot of of uh, Islamist groups um, enraged because this is uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's uh, pressing back against their plans and it's kind of an in-your-face move, um, which, you know, from our standpoint, we're just like, tough, deal with it. Um, but it's in, in that regard, the the threat has kind of scattered around the globe, both people that head back to their home countries in the Middle East, North Africa, Europe, and then the, uh, the Western Pacific nations such as the Philippines, the Southern Philippines and in Indonesia and Malaysia and so on. There's um, a lot of these folks have scattered back into these areas and new threats are in turn emerging. Um, the issue on the Southern border really needs to be wrapped up soon um, what you're hearing from President Trump about the the threats from uh, individuals other than Mexicans that are coming across the border is significant on a daily basis. The Customs and Border Protection and the Border Patrol, they're picking up people that are coming from the Middle East, North Africa, um, Central Asia, uh, that have made their way to Central America and Mexico working their way through and trying to get over the border. Um, that's another significant threat that's, um, that's in your face. It's just that this is pounded down by the mainstream media as being, you know, oh, this is just fear-mongering and so on. But I challenge any of your listeners, if you know any federal agent in any of the different, um, you know, um, branches of the Department of Justice, anybody that's working at the federal level, while they won't give you details, we encourage you to ask them um, what the current threat environment is at. And invariably and very willingly, these folks will tell you that there is something that's happening every day. And it's because of the diligence of law enforcement, um, the increased funding that they've been provided, the increased support that they're getting from the Department of Justice and so on that's allowing them to keep this threat tamped down. Um, and then the final thing I want to touch on is the, the threat that's being posed by what they call HVEs or homegrown violent extremists. Um, there's a lot of jihadist material that's available both on the regular internet as well as on the dark web um, that uh, provides all manner of justification for uh, extremists to carry out attacks, wage war against the U.S. in general, to carry out attacks against non-Muslims, 
and so on. And this is one of the larger emerging threats um, that uh, law enforcement is, um, is particularly concerned with. Less than six months ago, the head of the FBI told um, a congressional panel, both of them, as a matter of fact, a number of them, that uh, they have over a thousand active counterterrorism investigations spread across all 50 states. And that's not all, you know, people that are coming from Middle East, North Africa, and what we'd normally associate with the, um, the, the lands that these folks are coming from. These are, um, many of them are people that are American citizens that have some grievance or something like that, that um, uh, are looking to, uh, um, to act on that. And there's enough information out there to feed those, um, those desires and all that. And so the threat environment is very real. Uh, while the tempo of attacks over the last couple of years has dropped significantly, right. uh, it's not for lack of trying. And it's not because everybody's just, you know, scurried back under a rock. It's, uh, a lot of it is because of the diligence of law enforcement in being able to roll up um, groups quicker and individuals that are um, uh, expressing their, um, you know, the ability to search the net, find people that are expressing, um, you know, um, desire to inflict harm on others and properties and so on, that they're able to act much faster on this. But the threat's still there. As we were talking about earlier, if I can touch on this, the very first Islamic terror attacks against the United States took place within 20 years of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And that came in the form of attacks by Barbary pirates on American trading ships that were flying through the Mediterranean. And um, <clears throat> this led to the First and Second Barbary Wars. Uh, the first time that um, uh, the U.S. raised its flag in victory on foreign soil um, was in... Uh, battles which uh, were now the history books have all kinds of different names for them, Barbary pirates and so on these were Muslims from the Middle East and North Africa that were doing these things and the that threat has not dissipated at all, the motivations are essentially the same uh, the core doctrines of Islam um, uh, call for uh, the spreading of their doctrine and a conversion of as many people as possible, and you got basically three choices. You convert, you pay the subjugation tax, or you're killed. And that it has been um, this way since um, uh, just about 632 when Muhammad died. And the threat still continues to this day. Uh, but in terms of our service and the threat that's facing the U.S. homeland, it, there's so much more that's out there. You have a lot of right-wing groups that uh, are also um, not of the same mindset but um, are leaning towards violence more. A perfect example is the fellow that drove his, um, his car into the protest, I believe it was two years ago, in Charlottesville and mowed down a bunch of people. I was just an American guy, you know, um, right-leaning that drove into the, uh, the leftist protesters there. And so um, as the tensions, the partisan divide inside of the country continues to grow, and that's expected to be amplified significantly over the next couple of years in the run-up to the next election, people really need to be watching their back because there's a lot of angry people out there on both sides and the end result is that the threat environment in the U.S. for the average citizen is definitely increasing. So would you say that the Muslim threat um, is still real and possibly getting worse for America-owned American soil? Um, <clears throat> I, I want to be very careful here in my response. And the threat is persistent. And the, but the nature of the threat is shifting in that, um, again, the command and control of complex attacks 
from foreign terrorist organizations has been dramatically diminished. On the other side, the homegrown violent extremist threat is on the rise. Uh, people that um, see that we stomped the Islamic State, who may have been ideological supporters of that movement, um, feeling the, the desire to act on their own behalf or act as a result of this constant stream of propaganda that they're putting out, calling for supporters to carry out attacks in their home countries as opposed to having something that's, you know, carefully crafted from abroad and then orchestrated, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the worldwide caution that was recently issued in the last few weeks by the U.S. State Department uh, is very clear about this type of threat that um, uh, moving away from, it's not necessarily just aircraft or bombs, um, as everybody has seen in the last few years, uh, it's highly effective for the people to go and rent a truck, load it up with a bunch of stuff, and go driving through a crowd. You can right. inflict, um, scare the crap out of people. You know, they can propagate the terror. Um, they can um, be highly effective in that use of edged weapons, um, firearms, and so on. And so the 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 kind of the nature of the threat is changing, um, but it, it, again, it remains persistent. Oh. Awesome. Okay, so I in the in our correspondence this week, we I don't want to sound like Doctor Doom here. No, 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 no. You're not. No. And again, if anybody, but, if they just go and listen to what the intelligence chiefs told the Senate less than two weeks ago. They'll get the you know the entire picture or go to travel.state.gov and read the, the content of the worldwide caution that they've they've issued. Um, you know all of this stuff is laid out very clear for American citizens to be able to read. We also, as you see on a weekly basis, we encourage people to look at the threat assessments that are being put out by the State Department's equivalent in Australia, Canada, and Britain because the threat assessments. Um, change a little bit in what they tell their citizens, but it's all essentially the same um, as what I'm communicating to you right now. Um, in our correspondence this week, you sent me a couple documents, and um, you know we probably don't have time to go a, a lot of detail in that, but I feel like I have to at least touch on them. And it is um, you, one of the documents you, you, you publish is called the uh, Deadly Verses. It's 164 passages of um, really hatred and um, and a I don't know how do you call that just um, passages of them wanting to kill the infidel which is us yeah so these are what uh, you're referring to for us there's two free reports that we give away um, one is called Deadly Verses, and it's 164 passages about jihad from the Quran. Uh, and so as you've seen in there, we give a, uh, a very clean primer on Islam so people understand what it is, the different branches of Islam, a side-by-side -side comparison um, between Islam and Christianity. So they have... Um, they, they're able to arm themselves with knowledge when they're faced with this debate. You know, oh, it's no more violent than Christianity and so on. Well, that's right. not quite true. Um, and then each of these passages, uh, they're hyperlinked to a database at the University of Leeds, which goes to six different translations of that Quranic passage so that they can see that we're not giving something that's taken out of context. And people can see the core of where of, of the motivating factors, which brings about um, all of what we've been experiencing for the past 20, 25 years, you know, in the immediate time frame of Islamic terrorism. Um, these are the same passages and so on that um, have been used over the past thousand years. Um, and it's, it's good for people to at least become familiar with um, this type of information. The second report, is called Sex Women in Islam. And I don't rem remember the subtitle to it, but I think it's like 84 passages about misogyny, child marriage, um, um, 
pedophilia, all this different stuff that's also from the Quran and the Hadith so that they can see firsthand uh, other parts of the doctrine that are not frequently spoken about in the mainstream media, but nonetheless are a very solid part of that belief system. And it's not put out there, you know, to slam Muslims and all of this and that, uh, as much as just to open people's eyes and let them know the truth about um, what it is that the world is facing right now and the mindset that we're facing uh, so that they're, they're armed with knowledge as opposed right. to having to pull the mainstream media's line about, you know, oh, it's a religion of peace and whatnot. And <laughs> you would disagree with that, huh? I get a little bit hesitant about talking about this because the way that the subject, if you say something wrong about it, you get hammered and hammered and hammered. But um, this is the truth about what we're facing. And uh, uh, if anybody wants access to these reports, all they got to do is go to threatjournal.com, put in their email address, or immediately uh, sent links to be able to download these two reports. So, so again, everyone, I told you guys um, to help um, Prepping Academy out and PrepperNet. You can go to preppernet.com slash alerts USA and sign up for uh to get this service. It is it is a service that will give you a head start and possibly could save your life. I'm just that's just my he's I'm saying that. Even saying that I am saying that. It is a must in my survival group to have this we want every advantage we could possibly get. And it also makes you look smart. So that's a new one. You might want to put that down on your form, <laughs> on your website. Because <laughs> everyone does. Where are you getting that? How do you know that? I'm not seeing that on any of my services. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, so it, 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 it's pretty awesome. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've had some marketing people that have told us, you know, we should put something in our marketing material like women love smart guys. <laughs> yeah, right, right like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alert USA subscribers know what is going on. So, um, but um, but yes, you can go and sign up there. Um, I'll probably put it on our Facebook site as well. But um, hey, we um, I think we can wrap this up. We appreciate you coming on. Um, you're 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 providing a great service. Um, at this point, you I mean, your only competitor is like AP or the mainstream news. Is that correct? I mean, yeah, I, there's I don't other know. specialized services that are out there, but um, uh, we're the only one that, uh, that focuses on uh, U.S. citizens and interests, uh, both domestic and abroad. That's our primary focus. And um, the breadth of what we report on, uh, ranging from, Terrorism alerts, warnings, advisories, travel alerts to major international destinations, coronal mass ejections through to pandemics, you know, um, uh, earthquake warnings and tsunami warnings. Um, there's, we're not just um, along one particular seam of interest, which is what you'll find with all of the other services. Uh, there's breadth and there's also depth to the topics that we report on, but um it's all stuff that can impact um, blood pumping in your veins. And uh, it's stuff that's of national significance that you don't often see until well after the fact from the mainstream media. And so we've never been re accused of putting in too much out. Um, you know, so, uh, but there, there are, again, as I mentioned earlier, we are considered just another tool in your information pencil cup. We complement a lot of the other things that normal average citizen has access to. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, you can't be watching this stuff all the time, which is what we do on your behalf. Right, okay. And you know, I've told people how to, um, to subscribe to your service. I guess that's, um, and, um, 
And actually, um, our link also, you can go to alertsusa slash preppernet.html. Again, the links are out there. I'm putting it out there on all the social medias so people can get to it. And we thank you for your service. We thank you for coming on to the podcast. And, you know, we've talked on the phone. So that that should happen this year sometime. So, um but thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. And um, any last words? And I don't mean that like you're done. I mean, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I mean, I don't no, even know where that came from. Yeah, you. So, yeah. Um, I graciously appreciate the opportunity to come and just share what we do. Um, we were very passionate about the business. Um, as we discussed earlier, the byline to the company is we report as if lives depend on it. And uh, I would just encourage your subscribers, you know, as we're in this slow period or seemingly slow period of um, of things happening, you know, the, the, the Temple of Terror attacks being down um, and all of that is to, um, it's very easy to slip into a mindset of complacency and uh, but uh, try and keep the level of situational awareness and vigilance up um, if you see something you know that cliche that saying from dhs if you see something definitely say something report you know if you see something odd uh, and keep praying because god's in control amen amen hey thank you very much for coming on to the show and um and we look forward we well we don't look forward to your texts actually. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> Please don't text us <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no. But um we um I can't um anyway, thanks for coming on and you know I can't even say I look forward to your text. That's so awkward. <laughs> don't text me. Uh <laughs> but um thanks for what you're doing and I appreciate it and you have a great day. Thank you, Forrest. Good afternoon. Yep. Okay, guys, that was awesome. We, again, you've got to have this advantage, and um, it, it, it's just it's necessary. We we prepare, we prepare, we look for news. Everyone in their, um, you know, their operational, you know, OSI or whatever you call your oper- you know, for your retreat, your survival group. I mean, what things cause you to react? To get that information earlier is key, and this is a tool, like you said, it's a tool um, that could actually help you and your group make the decisions that, you know, that could be life-changing. We don't know when an event's going to come that um, could rock our world, it could rock your little neighborhood. Um, if you look through the, the text over the last year, there's been shootings in different cities. There have been explosions, pipeline explosions, um, you know, power plants leaking nuclear fuel. I mean, these could happen in your community. And when they do, you will get the alert on this long before the news and long before others. And it can give you time to react. So, um, again, hey, join us on PreppingAcademy.com. Sign up for our mailing list. Uh, we're always giving something away. I don't even know what we're giving away right now. But um, join us over there. Also on PrepperNet.com. Uh, the, it's a membership site, and we're uniting preppers nationwide. We have the best leadership team possible. I mean, a leadership team for PrepperNet has never been put together like this. I'm just telling you. Um, go over there. I'll just read some of the names for you. It's John Jacob Schmidt from Amron, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, Charlie Hogwood, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Sam Samuel Copler, Jane Austin, or excuse, yeah, um, Survivor Jane and Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, Brian Duff. These are the who's who's in the prepping community. They're on my leadership team to get this prepper net nationwide. Um, there's a free membership, and then you could support us with the $40. There's lots of little bonuses that come with that. Just join. We have a way to connect with other people. It is um, one of the best things going right now, and I just have to say that because I, 
you know, it was it was a God given gift to, for me to do this. So I'm just doing what I'm told. So guys, um, you guys take care. God bless you, and we will catch you next time on the next podcast. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Prepping Academy podcast. Preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com.